Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to invite our sister Vicki to come. She is going to read our scripture for today, and I'm going to hand it off to Travis to teach us from God's Word. So let's turn our, attentions, uh, our attention to the book of Galatians now. Reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. All right. Um, While I'm kind of getting things started, I want to invite all of the kids to move down to the front few rows. Uh, Parents, if they're not old enough to do that on their own, you can move down with them. But um, we will be doing questions and giving you a chance to interact. And if you get if you're engaged in the, uh, the, these opportunities, we'll be giving out fruit snacks, but it's too hard to run all over the auditorium. So we need the kids ideally in like the front three or four rows. And then for the folks that are helping, if my helpers can go ahead and grab buckets of fruit snacks so that you're ready when the time comes, uh, we will hopefully have a lot of fun doing this. Now, for those of y'all that are visiting... I want y'all to know, as Pastor Aaron said, we don't do church like this every week. Uh, We don't give out fruit snacks, for sure. Um, But uh, normally we have kids' ministry because we want the kids to be able to learn the Bible in an age-appropriate way. Um, And as far as giving out candy, uh, I want you to know we we want to be reverent. Uh, We serve a mighty God, and... um, so we have awe and respect for the Lord, and, and we don't want you to see this giving out candy as something that's irreverent, uh, but we also believe that God's a God of relationship, and he has created fun and laughter, and so being able to engage with the kids in this way just seems like a fun way to, to do the service, but like I said, we have no intention for that to be irreverent. Um, I also, I guess one last thing before we dive in, I want you to know our hope is to be authentic, and a verse like Galatians 5 um, can potentially come across like a Christian fortune cookie, just to try something people say, uh, but, that, but that unfortunately uh, feels like it doesn't really land um, authentically. So my hope as we go through this today is we'll get to wrestle with this and take a really honest look at our lives and what this verse and what the, um, um, the topic that we draw out of this kind of has to teach us, uh, because we believe God's word is always relevant, and it shouldn't be trite or like a fortune cookie, but it's actually life-changing. And so with that said, let me pray, and then we're going to jump into Galatians 5.22. Lord, I pray that you would, by your grace, um, just speak through me. I pray that you would stir everyone's hearts so that we would walk away with a greater understanding of what the fruit of the Spirit is and how we can enjoy the rich blessing of the fruit of the Spirit. May it all be for your glory. Amen. All right, now kids, we've got our first fruit snack question coming up here, so listen real close. I'm going to read the Galatians 5, 22 and 23 again. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, for a fruit snack, I want you to raise your hand if, and this is a judgment-free zone, if you struggle with any of these. Pastor Aaron and Pastor Shane struggle with a bunch of them. No, I I struggle with a lot of these. So if you raised your hand and you were honest about struggling with these, you get a fruit snack. So my helpers are going to throw those out. Um, I I really do struggle with these. Uh, Patience is one I always struggle with. 
but I'll be honest, the last week or so, you think holidays, a nice time off, um, it has been a really hard week for me. Um, as I was preparing the sermon and going over things, it's like, man, not many of these are very present in my life right now. Um, being um, Time with the boys is great, but being in a small little house with three screaming boys, um, I was starting to run out of patience and kindness and all sorts of things. And so when we look at this, it kind of just stirs that question. It's like, man, I've been a Christian for a long time. Why do some of these things seem so elusive? And I think there's several problems that we have to contend with in terms of why it's so hard to experience the fruit of the Spirit at times. The first thing is dead things don't produce fruit. And and this is going to be particularly for those of y'all that are here that aren't Christians. Um, And it might feel a little bit pointed, but but stick with me and let me unpack a little bit here. Uh, In Romans 8, 5 through 8, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh, in another place in Romans, Romans 6.23, uh, verse begins, For the wages of sin is death. So let me unpack what we think biblically this is saying. We believe that God's word is true and is his word um, given to us to help us understand his purpose for things. We believe in the God of the Bible. And so when we read this, we realize that what it's saying is if God has created everything, is an all-powerful, almighty God, and yet instead of surrendering to him and seeking to let him be the Lord of our life, if we choose to set our minds on the things of the flesh, we make ourselves God in essence. I'm not going to honor him. I'm going to do my own thing. Or I'm going to worship other gods and false gods. Well, that basically puts us in a position where we're saying we don't need God, we can be our own God, and we become enemies with God. And in that state, our natural state, our sinful state, all of us have sinned, we're all enemies of God, and the consequence of that is death. And I don't say that out of a judgment against you as a non-believer, but out of compassion for you. We all start in that place. It is only by God's grace that any of us uh, are able to be redeemed and to come out of that place of death and to have hope and life. So we keep reading that verse, Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God wants to restore us back into right relationship. He wants us to serve him and to honor him as Lord, and he deserves to be worshipped as God. Again, an all-powerful God that has created all that we know. He certainly deserves to be worshipped more than we deserve to be worshipped. And so he wants to restore us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus willingly claimed to earth, lived as a man with no sin. He was in complete obedience to God throughout his whole time on earth. And then, though he did not deserve to die, the only person who has ever lived that didn't deserve to die, he willingly went to the cross and died in our place. He died and took the full wrath of God upon himself so that those of us that are willing to trust him as Savior, could be redeemed and restored. And as he was put to death on the cross, he was buried and then rose again three days later, conquering sin and death. And through that, he became the the means by which we could be restored back into a right relationship with God. So while we were all dead, we were all separate from him, we had all chosen because of our choice of sin and to, to not be obedient to God, we had all been separated from God. So, kid... Kids, here's question number two for fruit snack. 
Hopefully you've been paying attention because it's getting weighty. Can a dead branch produce fruit? Like if you take an apple, apple tree and you cut the branch off, will that branch continue to bear apples? No. All right. If you said no, raise your hand and you got a fruit snack coming your way. So fruit, fruit, and I know this is hard, but try and listen while they're passing those out. Fruit comes from living things. Now, as I'm talking about those of us that are not Christians and that have not submitted to the Lord, we're dead branches. We are dead in our trespasses. Some of y'all, if you're thinking about this critically, you're thinking, well, wait a minute. I know some non-Christians that have way more impressive character than some of the Christians I know. I know some non-Christians that are incredibly kind and patient and caring. So what's the disconnect there? Well, I would say first and foremost, the key difference is non-Christians are experiencing aspects of that. They can display certain aspects, being patient or what have you, but they're missing the fullness of what those are. They can't experience the fullness of love until they've experienced God's redeeming love, because outside of God's redeeming love, they'll spend eternity in hell, whereas inside of God's redeeming love, they get to understand what it is to be redeemed and grafted back in, and they'll get to experience a full, intimate relationship with the Lord in heaven, living with him for all of eternity, Um, joy and peace. We talked in the sermon series uh, over Advent about peace being this idea of shalom, um, um, God fully restoring things back to the right order. Well, somebody that's not a Christian and will spend eternity in hell won't experience that full restoration. And so while they can still manifest aspects of each of these fruit, they won't experience the fullness of what it's intended to be. The other problem is when you look at Galatians 5.22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is... And then it lists out those different characteristics. And the actual Greek and uh, words behind that, that actually is singular, the fruit. It is um, the idea that a Christian should be growing in all of these aspects. And that's a distinguishing mark for a believer. Um, If you've ever met somebody that was living a wild and rowdy life and were impatient and angry, and then they have a transforming moment where God saves and redeems them, and you see a dramatic change in the whole character of their life. That's what this is talking about, the fruit of the Spirit. So does that mean that we as Christians are going to experience the fruit of the Spirit perfectly or consistently? No, and that's because there are several other problems. Number uh, two on the list of problems that we run into is I think often we have a wrong idea of fruit. Um, It's really easy to mistake accomplishments for fruit of the Spirit. This is one I fall into a lot. Um, I want to honor God, so I'm like, all right, I'm praying, God, where do you want us to go? What, like, what, what, what do we got? What do you got in store for me? And as soon as I think I have a sense for where God's going, then I start working my tail off to make sure that it's done with excellence and done well. And I'll know that I'm doing it out of the flesh and not out of the fruit of the Spirit when in the midst of doing this work for God, I start getting angry, frustrated. This isn't coming together right. I'm impatient with people. I'm chewing people out for not having their act together. And, and then I start to realize, wait a minute, that's the fruit of the flesh. That's not the fruit of the spirit. I'm trying to do this to earn God's favor, but God's already given me his favor. And so when I realize I'm not abiding, it's because often I've kind of mistakenly um, begin to think of the fruit of the spirit as accomplishments when really it's about my character. Another one is that we try to produce our own fruit sometimes. This would be uh, very similar to the Pharisees in the New Testament. You would see Christ mocking them. The Pharisees, man, they were like the best of the best in terms of keeping all of God's commands. But 
But in essence, their hearts were still hard and cold and lacking in love for others. And so you would see them often being harsh and judgmental. Um, and so recognize that um, in the, the trying to produce your own fruit, you can read your Bible. You can be tithing to the church. You can be doing a lot of good stuff. But what God really wants is your heart. And so if that's a works-based righteousness, if you're trying to earn God's favor, you don't need to do that. He's already given you his favor. What you need to do is have a joyful response. Galatians 3.23 says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing in faith? Are you so foolish that having begun by the Spirit, you're now being perfected by the flesh? And what he was talking to is this very issue. He's saying, hey, Jesus wants your heart. He doesn't want your good works. He wants your heart. Now, if he's got your heart, fruit will naturally come out of that. But if he doesn't have your heart, you can do all the stuff you want to do, and it's not going to matter. So we need to be careful that we're not just trying to produce our own fruit. Um, I'd say one of the, the other areas that is often a problem is sometimes we want steak instead of fruit, if we're really honest about it. I mean, we would all say we want love, joy, peace, patience, but we're constantly barraged with things from this world that, that are temptations, things that can begin to fill our vision, our mind, you know, trying to be the best on your basketball school team or, or trying to, to be the best at work or whatever things may be, we naturally get consumed with all these other things and we quit, we quit abiding, we quit spending time with the Lord because we're too busy doing other stuff. And in essence, we're chasing other things. We're chasing stake instead of abiding with the Lord so he can really stir the fruit of the Spirit within us. So what's the solution to these problems? Well, number one, it's the gospel. A proper understanding of the gospel. Looking at Romans eleven seventeen, it says, You, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Now, I talked about earlier, Jesus wants to restore us. He came and he lived and died, conquering sin and death and rose again so that we could have a chance to be adopted back as his children. It's the means by which God can restore us back into right relationship with him. Jesus' death covers our sin if we're willing to choose to submit to him and honor him as our Lord and Savior. And so when we do that, he grafts us back in, uh, to use the language of the fruit of the Spirit. He literally takes our branch that is dead and disconnected from the source of life and grafts it back in so it can begin to bear fruit again. Um, to give you an idea for, for what that would look like, um, they literally can take an olive branch from one tree put it onto a cultivated olive tree and graft it together and it will begin to produce fruit from that new olive tree that it's connected to. That's an actual um, thing that they do, the arborists or the whatever you would call them. So he uses this language, he grafts us in. The second thing that we need is proper perspective. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations, I'll be exalted among the earth. Uh, perspective is so important because as humans, we have distorted perspective. Often it's distorted because of identity distortions or idolatry or various things that have happened to us that, that give us a warped sense of reality, and we need God to reshape our perspective. Now, let me give you a couple of examples here to give you a, an idea for why perspective is so important. So kids, we're going to have a series of questions at the end of which we'll give out fruit snacks. So my first question is, are you afraid of a cat? No. no? Now hold on before you get too confident. Are you, show the slide, are you afraid of this cat? No. no. Would you be afraid of this cat? Go to the next slide. 
I would be afraid. I would be terrified of the big cat. So it's all about perspective. You need a proper understanding of the whole picture before you answer. Um, how about, sir, the next slide. Is this sphere, this basketball sphere, is that big or small? It depends what it's compared to. Go to the next slide. The basketball is big compared to the golf ball. Now, is this golf ball big or small? Depends on what we're comparing it to. Go to the next slide. It's really small compared to the Death Star. Now, is that big or small? It's bigger than the golf ball, but it's small compared to the next slide. So it's all a matter of perspective. And unfortunately, in life, we tend to struggle getting a right perspective. So for those of y'all that are nerding out right now and wondering how the Death Stars stack up, uh, you can show the next slide. And then helpers, if you'll pass out fruit snacks to the kids. All right, and kids, if y'all will be quiet, we're going to keep going while they pass out fruit snacks. So pass out the fruit snacks. Raise your hand if you were participating in that, and they'll bring you fruit snacks. But we need a proper perspective. Uh, And the problem is we all have limited and distorted perspective. Let me give you an example uh, of what this looked like. And actually, I'm going to read one more verse before the example here. Isaiah 46, 8 through 11, it said, Remember this and stand firm. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning... And from the ancient things, uh, excuse me, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. We need God's perspective. God's the only one that can see from the beginning of time to the end of time and has a plan and a purpose for everything that falls within that time. So here's what happens when we get off on our perspective. And Gideon said I could share this story. But a few days before Christmas, Gideon was getting excited about getting to open presents. Uh, I imagine many of y'all can relate. Um, one day he was getting so excited. He said, mom, I don't want to wait. Can we open them tonight? And my wife rightfully said, no, we're going to wait. Let the anticipation build. And um, Gideon didn't like that answer. Gideon actually started to get really upset and was really rude to his mom and uh, just was choosing a really bad attitude. And um, I sat down. I said, time out. We're going to have a little talk. I said, buddy, what is more important? Those presents or your relationship with your mom? And he thought about it for a second. He said, the relationship with mom is more important. I said, is the way you're treating her right now make it look like the presents are more important or that she's more important? He said, the presents makes it look like the presents are more important. So we had a little bit of a talk. And like any good parent, I took all his presents away and we didn't have Christmas this year. No. And, uh, <laughs> no. we, um, we talked and he went and put his heart back together with his mom. And once he was reminded and put back into proper perspective, he had a totally different attitude towards his mom. It was very respectful and very gracious for the rest of the time. Um, but, but that's what happens when perspective gets out of whack. And, and I use him because that's, a, I think, a clear example. But the truth is that's not something that as adults we grow out of and all of a sudden we've all got great perspective. We all continue to have flawed perspective and we need God's perspective to reshape our thinking. Because we lack perspective, um, proper perspective is only gained by being still so that God can reveal himself and reshape our perspective from his point of view. So church, we need to be still. We need perspective. Next, we need to abide. Uh, John 15, 1 through 16 is a great passage. I'm going to hit just a few highlights, but he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Going along with that same fruit and vine and being grafted in theme. 
Um, God grafts us in, and once we're grafted in, God tends to the vine, and Jesus is the actual vine. He says, abide in me, and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, I hope you're listening, kids, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. So here's our next question, kids. I'm going to ask, and then just yell out the right answer. Does the branch or the vine, the branch or the vine, does the branch or the vine produce the fruit? Which one is it? Oh, oh. So here we go. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. So what produces the fruit? It's the vine. If the branch isn't connected to the vine, it can't do anything. And the vine will grow new branches. So the vine is really what produces the fruit. So if you participated, right or wrong, raise your hand. If we're out, then are we all out? Man, all right. Aaron will eat the last two. Man, we went through these a lot faster than we did last time. All right, but good participation. Keep it up. I think y'all have all made out pretty good, so I don't feel that guilty. So we need to be connected to the vine. The branch, the, the branch's job isn't to produce the fruit. It's to stay connected to the vine so the vine can produce the fruit. And then going a little further in the, that John 15 passage, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So guys, God's glorified when we bear fruit, but it's interesting to note, it's Jesus that produces the fruit in and through us. So really, God is glorified by the work Jesus does in us. But this isn't a passive thing. This is something that we have a part in. Philippians 2 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. But we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So we have a part to play. It's not passive. Um, And I would say an important reminder is our part doesn't matter unless we're connected to Jesus. Um, As another illustration here, Gideon and I love to go hiking. Gideon is a good hiking partner. And we have been to some pretty awesome places. If you'll show that next slide, uh, this was Gideon on top of Mount Pilcher. If y'all have ever been up there, it's beautiful. Uh, No other three-year-olds or four-year-olds were up there that day. Um, They were all amazed when he came climbing into the shack and giving them like high fives and a round of applause. Like it was a fun experience. But it's important to note, Gideon isn't making those trips on his own, right? Like if he had headed out there, first of all, he couldn't have gotten out there without me. Second of all, once we got out there, if he was not obedient and listening to me, he could have died. Um, If he decided to head off in his own direction, he doesn't know how to survive in the wilderness. He doesn't know how to deal with clothing and finding water and reading trail maps. And so literally, he could get lost and die out in the wilderness. So as we're going along, the quality of our experience was closely related to how obedient he was to me. Now, as we walked along and I said, hey, this is where we're going. And he'd take rests when I'd tell him to take rests and keep walking when I told him to. We'd end up with an amazing time together. And so um, it's important to know that there is an active part, right? We need to be obedient. We need to follow the Lord. Um, but it's also him that produces the fruit. So in this case, he didn't need to be obedient, but he had to be connected to me. And you can show that last slide there. Um, there are a fair bit of the trip where he ends up just riding along and I'm taking him along. But as long as he stays connected with me and is obedient, we go some amazing places together. So church, if by the power of the gospel we've been saved and we've been grafted in, And now we want to abide so that we can gain proper perspective 
the question then comes up, well, how do we abide? Like, what's this tension look like? Well, I want to offer hopefully some biblical guidance, some practical um, ideas, and some personal experience. But I also want to just... um, just want to highlight, like, I didn't get picked to do this topic because I've nailed the Holy Spirit, uh, fruit of the Spirit stuff. Like, I struggle with this, right? So this isn't a, hey, do as I do so you can have all the fruit of the Spirit perfectly manifested in your life like I do. Uh, this is an honest discussion about how it's hard and it's difficult. And like I said, I struggle and there are ups and downs. But hopefully, I can share from some times where I have really experienced the fruit of the Spirit at work in my life in powerful ways. Um, Hopefully, I can share some ideas that might help uh, be crafted into your daily rhythms and disciplines that can put you in a place where you would have a more rich experience as you um, abide in the Lord. So, how do we abide? Number one, uh, going back to Psalms 46.10, which we read earlier, be still and know that I'm God. I think this is one of the hardest challenges for us as Americans. Um, We are so busy, 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 go, go, go. Our lifestyle is completely um, counterproductive to this very first step of being still so that we can know who God is. Um, I know for me, I was raised in a great church and went to a a great private school and basically I had Bible studies and prayer every day. So I never understood why would I need to stop and have time on my own? Like I'm already spending a lot of time in the Bible and prayer, but it was always group prayers. There's always lots of distractions. There was lots of doing. There was no being still. The first time I experienced the impact of what it looks like to be still before God uh, was my final summer in college, or excuse me, in high school. I go to a summer camp every summer, and they would divide all the guys into two tribes, the Cherokees and the Choctaws, and we'd compete for the whole month, and you'd rack up points, and one of the tribes would win, and every year they would pick one of the older boys to be the chief, and uh, I saw these guys year after year just be remarkable young men that really influenced me, and I saw they got often used them to have a rich influence on the other boys. And I was picked to be the chief my last summer. And it was the first time in my life that I felt completely inadequate. I mean, I I did not want to go. I was trying to figure out how to get out of going to camp because I didn't feel that I was anywhere near the caliber of these other young men that I had seen in the years before me. So when I got to camp, it was the first time I ever felt desperate before the Lord. And uh, so I asked the staff if I could have a period off every day so that I could go back to my cabin and just pray. I was at a loss. It's like, I have no idea what to do. Uh, there's so much opportunity, but I am not the man for the job. And every day as I go pray, I journal, and I'd write, and then the next day I'd come back and write down answers and responses. And over the course of that month, it was so evident to see how God was at work, how he was guiding me, how he was aligning my heart to his. Uh, he wasn't just answering my want list. He was actually aligning my heart to his so I could see where he was at work. And I always tell folks um, when I talk about this, it was as clear to me that God was at work and guiding me as if you and I walked outside to go, you know, uh, fix coffee for the, you know, for another service or something. Like, like the partnership and working things out, God was so evident, it was that clear to me. It was like he was just walking alongside me like one of my buddies doing a job with me. Um, It was such a rich experience, and I was so grateful that God put me in that place of dependence, began to experience how important it was to be still. Experience God in a whole new way, being still in his presence like that by taking an hour every day to pray. Now, I know for us in our work schedules and school schedules, that can be hard to do on a normal rhythm maybe, but I would encourage you, maybe each month, block three or four hours and just have a solid block of time to be still and to pray. And then maybe uh, once a quarter, take a half a day or a full day and go have a time to just pray and reflect and study God's word. That time, setting aside time to be still, can be really powerful. Make sure you give your 
spouse time to do the same, and then compare notes and uh, just see what God does as you begin to create time to be still in God's presence. Um, one of the next things that we're called to do is to pray. Matthew 5, 6, 5 through 13 is the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to get into it now, but the Lord's Prayer is a great model to teach us how not to just bring our want list to God, but actually to reflect on His glory and for God to show us His will and for Him to align our hearts to His. Um, If you want to learn more about that, you can go to the Teach Us to Pray sermon series on our website. We did a whole sermon series on those verses. Or you can use the, the Acts method, which would be spend time in adoration, then confession, then thanksgiving, and then supplication. Another tip, uh, journal when you pray. Journaling is a great way to focus your thoughts and to record what God has done as you see him at work. Another step of abiding is obedience. John fifteen ten says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. Now, there's a tension here. Jesus produces the fruit in and through us, but we can't sit by passively. Abiding requires us to live in obedience to God's word. We need to study God's word if we're going to live in obedience to it. Number four, 2 Timothy says, All scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Uh, some practical tips here. In Right Now Media... John Piper has a series called Look at the Book, where it actually shows the passage in his pen marks as he's working through it, and he talks through how he studies a passage and uh, how he begins to unpack it. It's a great way to see somebody actually studying Scripture so that you can begin to learn how to do the same if you're someone that isn't currently comfortable opening up the Bible and studying it for yourself. There's also a great book called Dig Deeper that offers a number of tools and techniques to help you draw more out of Scripture to understand what it's saying. But Scripture is something that should be approachable by every one of us. A couple of other practical tips. Um, pick a topic, like water. There's great symbolic imagery throughout Scripture. So look for all the places you see water and begin to chase those themes and see what they mean. Or pick Paul's letters. You could spend a period of time and go through each one of his letters and uh, study them and try and come up with a one-page summary for each one of Paul's letters to see how they were different and why was he speaking to this audience versus that audience and what did he tell these guys versus those. There's so many ways you can go about studying your Bible. And then as a community group, another encouragement, don't just talk application. Actually open the Bible and study your Bible together. Uh, Chase rabbit trails that come out of the sermon topic or pick a different book of the Bible you all want to study, but spend time studying Scripture together from time to time. Another area that is super helpful when it comes to abiding is fast. Um, Matthew 5, 6 says, when you fast. It was assumed that it was a part of their, their normal spiritual disciplines that they would fast back in the day. And we've lost that over the years, unfortunately. Um, but fasting is a rich way that God often stirs our hearts. I know I had never heard, and again, I was a solid school, solid church. I had never heard anyone talk about fasting until I went to college. And I had several different um, friends in college that would talk about fasting, and we ended up doing some one-day fasts and some three-day fasts for different things, ministry events that we were doing, uh, things of that nature, and it was really rich experience and kind of added to that God slowing me down so I could be still in his presence. And so fasting is a rich experience. Um, we've got a number of people up here that have fasted everywhere from, you know, one or two days. We used to do the five-day fast as a church. We are actually going to be inviting everyone to join us for a one-day fast 
each month in the first week of the month. We'll have more details coming about that. Um, but we want to be able to help y'all grow in understanding fasting. Some of y'all have fasted for one day or three days, and maybe God's calling you for a longer fast. And we've got people in this church that have fasted for extended fasts up to 40 days. And every one of them talks about the incredibly rich ways that God has worked in their lives as they have committed to being still and to walking in obedience and just being fully dependent on him to sustain them through their time of fasting. But fasting is a rich way that God works in our lives. Another step of abiding is being an active part of the body. Uh, There's several verses listed. I'd encourage you to write them down and to go study them, but just hitting some highlights from what comes out of those. Um, Part of being an active part of the body is being present for the proclamation of his word, like on Sundays. But it's also about being involved with other believers, um, being known and knowing others so that you can speak into people's lives and so that people can speak into your life to help gain a better perspective, Um, seeking to grow as a disciple and seeking to help others grow. All of these things will help you abide. And as a branch, you want to have a solid connection to that vine so that the vine can be producing fruit in and through you. So kids, while we're out of fruit snacks, I still have some more questions for you. Here's a question. This is the last one, is praying, being obedient, studying God's word, being connected to the body of Christ and fasting. Are those things just for adults or those for all of us? All of us. Those are all things that we can be taking part in that God wants to use to help us grow in our relationship with him. Now, for all of y'all that have been paying attention, I know the kids have been because they've been answering these questions, but for the rest of you, you're probably thinking... My gosh, this being still and abiding sounds like a lot of work. And, and that's a fair thing to say. I think part of the problem is in the busyness of our lives, we just hear a bunch more to-dos that we need to add to our list somehow. I would say first and foremost, we need to recognize um, if we're not creating margin to abide, that comes back to the idolatry thing, right? There are other things that seem more important to us than spending time with the Lord. So we need to grow in our faith to trust that as we make time for the Lord... He'll sort all the other stuff out. But I would also say there's hope. Second Peter 1, 3 through 8, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Church, this should be really encouraging. Um, God has given us the power we need for life and godliness. We're empowered through the knowledge of Him, so we need to be studying His Word, and there is an active part for us in that. But, but he's given us all that we need to do the job. So the task at hand is something he has empowered us and continues to empower us to do. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The idea here is that is we behold the glory of God through prayer and abiding and being still. All these things we've talked about Those help us to uh, behold his glory. And as we do, we're transformed. But he does the transforming work. And it's slow and it's subtle from one degree to the next. Remember our discussion on perspective. This process is one where, like I said, as we're praying and spending time in his word and being connected to the body and all these other things, it helps us behold his glory. And as we do, his greatness begins to overshadow all the other aspects in our lives And it begins to reshape the other aspects in our lives in a way that gives us proper perspective. And in the midst of that, he produces his fruit in us and through us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, this should be really encouraging for us, church. This isn't one of those weighty, you got a whole bunch more stuff to go do. It's a, 
this is fantastic. God has empowered us for a much better life if we'll walk in obedience. And think about all that God's done. I'm going to run through these pretty quick here. But it says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is, having begun by the Spirit, and these are all just the active part that God has done, pulled out of all the verses I read earlier. You were grafted in among the others. Now you share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. I am God, and I will accomplish all my purposes. I'm the true vine, and my Father's the vine dresser. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's God who works in you. All scripture is breathed out by God, so the man of God may, may become complete. His divine power has granted to us all things that to pertain to life and godliness. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image. Hopefully that's encouraging you, church. God has done so much for us, but he calls us to walk in obedience. And being New Year's Day, it's a natural time to stop and reflect and think about what changes we want to make, right? I want you to know that as an elder team, as we were talking about leading up to the sermon, we said, you know, we are far more worried about who you are becoming as a disciple of Jesus than we are worried about what you're accomplishing. We want you to know that we want and we pray that in this year to come, you will abide more than ever so that God in his grace can produce more fruit in you than ever. But our focus is we want to see healthy disciples growing. We're far more worried about focusing on that than we are making sure everybody's checking off all the right to-dos as church members. We love you guys. And before we have our full response, I want to just pause. And I want to pray with everyone to kind of wrap our time up here. Lord, as we head into this new year, I pray that you would do a mighty work to help us step back and to give us an honest look at ourselves. I pray that we would see honestly the fruit that is coming out of our life. And Lord, where it is not the fruit of the Spirit, I pray that you would expose the fruit of the flesh, that you would convict our hearts, and that you would stir us with an understanding for how we can more rightly align our lives so that we could have time, space, margin, to abide with you. Help us to reprioritize as we need so that we can be obedient and abide with you. I pray, Lord, that that would be our focus, honoring you and worshiping you and abiding in you, trusting that you will produce your fruit in and through us. And we don't need to be worried about our accomplishments, but you can take care of all the rest. Pray, Lord, that you would shape us to be disciples that would look more and more like you and may it all be for your glory. With that, we're going to move into a time of uh, worship and response for, for the whole church. Uh, we're going to start with the time of giving. So if the financial stewards would be gracious and start to uh, pass the buckets. Um, for those of y'all that are visiting, let me set the stage for our giving. Uh, this is not anything that you are obligated to. You are fine to just watch and um, enjoy uh, as, as they're passing the buckets. This is really intended for the folks that call this church home to have a chance to worship God by giving back to him out of the riches that God has blessed us with so that we can help support the furthering of the work of the ministry. Um, certainly, if you want to give, you're welcome to as a guest, but there's no obligation. I uh, don't want you to feel any sort of pressure. While they're passing the giving buckets, I want to ask a few questions that you can take back to your community group and chew on together or some prayer points. First of all, I want you to meditate on Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And then wrestle with this question. What character traits are you strong in? And what character traits are you weak in? And here's another one that's a little more convicting. Ask someone you know, do you see me growing in all of these areas? Because again, the mark of a Christian should be the fruit of the Spirit. 
So you should be displaying all of these or growing in all of these. And then lastly, is God challenging you to restructure your time and your priorities so that you can spend more time being still and abiding? And if yes, what changes will you make? And then a few prayer points. I'd encourage you to play, pray and reflect on all that God has granted you pertaining to life and godliness. Pray that God would work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then pray that God would grant you the discipline to take action and abide by being obedient to his word. I think these are the types of things that they seem simple at first, but the longer you chew on them and the more you really search your heart honestly, the more convicting they become. And then here in a moment, uh, kind of moving into the next part of our worship response, the uh, financial stewards are going to pass out our communion buckets. If you'll hold on to that. We'll wait until everybody has them, and then as we step into uh, singing, we will give you a chance to partake of the elements. Uh, This is really intended for the folks that are Christians. If you're not a Christian, we'd ask you to just watch. Um, This is a chance for us to reflect on the work that Jesus has done. I'm going to read a few verses here. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when... He had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup and after supper said, This is the cup, the new covenant of my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he becomes, until he comes, excuse me. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup in the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. They're just about uh, working their way through. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. After I pray, the band will begin to lead us in worship. And as you begin the worship, I'd encourage you, take some of these first moments. And instead of jumping right into singing, take some time being still. Just put yourself before the Lord. Let him search your heart. Spend some time reflecting. And then when you're ready, you'll be able to take the communion elements. And then we would invite you to join us and stand in singing as part of our worship response. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the great um, gift that you have given us in Jesus. We thank you that you were so gracious to offer the means by which we could be restored back into a right relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that we would be constantly reminded of that and that we would take great joy that we have been grafted in And I pray, Lord, that we would remember and abide, that we would walk in obedience so that you could bring forth your fruit through our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would become a group that increasingly abides so that you can increasingly bring forth fruit. And may it all be for your glory. Amen.